0: Welcome to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeyes reporter, John Steppe. I am first joined today by former Iowa kicker, Keith Duncan. Keith recently launched Every Kick Counts, an initiative that helps athletes raise money for Count the Kicks,
1: which works to prevent stillbirths. So, Keith, thanks for joining the podcast today. Yeah, John, thanks for having me. I'm excited to to be on today and... Talk about everything. So let's kind of first go back into history. And how did this idea first come about for you to do this? Absolutely. Um, I I did something similar in high school, raising money for uh, preventative cancer research for kids in high school. And through Iowa football and post-graduation stuff with Keith Duncan kicking, my kicking program that I'm doing. I made a really cool connection with one of the founders from Count the Kicks, and I actually trained her son. And from that connection, we thought of a really cool idea, which is now every kick counts. So that's how initially the idea started. Um, you know, personally, I've had people affected by, um, you know, stillborn births and um, you know family members and stuff like that. So so it's it's really cool to. Just be a part of this, uh, you know, great organization and great program that can benefit so many people. And I believe Kurt Fearance also has a pretty strong connection
0: to this cause. Did that play into it as well?
1: Absolutely. Just a huge role. And and not only um, his his family's loss, but just his generosity is something that I picked up on just being at Iowa is how he treats people, how he gives back to the community. Um, to me, I wanted to be a part of that as well. And it's, you know, we we launched um, Super Bowl Day, so middle of February, and it's been going great ever since. Um, I I love it right now, and I'm excited to see it grow.
0: What's been that initial reaction now? That it's been, I think, a little over a week since you
1: launched it. Absolutely. So we, we have right now 35 signups, um, and nine, if I'm correct, are from outside the state of Iowa. So we have not 10 different states that are currently signed up, which is really cool just having that reach. We have two NFL guys on board, Matt Hawk, who's a former Dowling uh, graduate, and a really, really successful punter with the Bills, um, and a, an assortment of college guys ready to get on as well. So the reach right now is growing, and we are you know, trying to inform people not only what every kick counts is, <laughs> but also count the kicks and stillborn births, um, how to count kicks, why you count kicks and the result of it. So
0: any Iowa names, I'm assuming you probably got at least one or two of those.
1: Yeah. Well, as everyone knows, uh, Tori Taylor has um, the punting is winning shirts. So the, the proceeds of that shirt uh, did benefit count the kicks. So Tori has been a phenomenal help in Count the kicks and you know, helping with every kick counts as well. So we have some fun stuff uh in in the making there. So Maybe in a couple of months, you'll start to see some answers to that question. Um, But hopefully, hopefully a lot more I/O guys will hop on board. And and again, this is, it's a win-win for everyone. We're trying to spread awareness and also create funds. Um, So, so this is a, a really fun initiative and it's great for the kids in the community to be involved as well as, you know, people from all generations to be involved in this really cool campaign. And then, if an athlete
0: is hearing this and says, "Hey, I want to be a part of this," what are the steps for them to
1: take? Absolutely, it's a, it's a really simple process. Actually, um, you just go to everykickcounts.com, and there's a sign-up form that'll just take you right to your website. Um, you get your own personal member page. It takes maybe 20 seconds, and then from there on out, you'll get an email, and it's stay updated for our for our, uh, upcoming events and, um, you know, cool, cool initiatives that we may have there.
0: And it sounds like this can be either where to use Tori as an example, if he based on however many punts or however many inside the twenties, or I don't know which stat you pick, but it could be based on that, or it could be a flat number per game. It sounds like.
1: Absolutely, um, you know that's that's something that maybe was in the back of my head when we first started. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll have some talks there, and hopefully, we'll grow going into the college guys, um, seeing if one the colleges are okay with doing that. But again, just being able to you know do things like this, just spreading awareness, is one just a massive goal for the program of Count the Kicks because. It gets people interested in how do I prevent stillborn births? What more can I do to help the cause? So thank you so much for for having me on. And then, of course, I know we'll uh, hopefully get more college guys, like you said. And I know we've been reaching out to not only the Iowa guys. So potentially what I'd love to see is a conference-wide campaign, which would be really cool. Um, Have some competition in between there and see some fun rivalries expand. So you're saying something like the whole Big Ten or the whole Big 12 or you name whichever conference. Why not? Right. Yeah. Maybe it's Iowa versus Nebraska week. Who's who's going to raise the most money for count the kicks? Um, Big Ten versus Big 12 uh, bowl games. Right. You you can do so many things with it. Um, These are just the, the little things in the back of my head. It's it's more of just getting everyone involved and spreading the word. And then if somebody wants to financially
0: help this, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Absolutely. So you can either donate through everykickcounts.com. Um, it's, it's We have a landing page. It's halfway down the landing page. It's a really simple process. Um, or you can go on to countthekicks.org as well to donate. And again, all of those funds are going to prevent stillborn births and raise awareness for the cause. And then...
0: What's kind of, is there an end number in terms of if you could have X number of athletes involved in this, you'd be happy?
1: We would love every single kicker, punter, uh, potentially athlete to to be involved in this. Um, You know, in, in the future, I think we see this going more beyond just kickers and punters. So there is absolutely an expansion for growth there. Um, but we're, we're ready to, to take on anyone and, and whoever wants to be on board. We want, again, this is, this is not for us. It's, it's to create awareness for the cause at hand. Um, so anyone that wants to help, wants to reach out, please feel free to do so. We'll, we'll help any way we can to, to get you situated or to, uh, you know, get you uh, part of the competition. So. And then before I let you go, I got to ask, how is Keith Duncan kicking going now that you're, what, about a year into it? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I like to say I'm in my dream job right now. It's, it's really cool to have the personal connections with the kids, just seeing them grow, um, not only on the field, but off the field. There's been plenty of parents that say, like, sometimes I, I like to give the, the kickers tasks, tasks of the week. So clean your room, just like very simple stuff. Do your dishes. Um, so I'm getting a lot of thank you letters from, from the (laughs) mom, but it's going really well. I, I, to me, it's, it's such a passion of mine. So I'm just blessed to have the opportunity to be a part of, you know, just the, the kids lives and be able to help them grow and achieve their goals. Well, Keith, thanks for joining the pod today, John. Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully we'll hop on later this year too. Yeah. Sounds good.
0: I am excited to welcome back to the podcast, Tom Kaker from Hawkeye Report. Tom, thanks for joining me.
2: John, it's always good to see you and to come on the, uh, on the podcast. always enjoy it.
0: Well, I want to talk about 2023 recruiting, but first, the sure. relatively hot news around Iowa football. Last week, Ken O'Keefe stepping away from quarterbacks coach, moving into a new off-the-field role. And now Iowa has a coaching vacancy, something that we probably weren't expecting say two, three weeks ago.
2: Yeah. Um, not a total shock. There've been kind of some rumblings that maybe Ken might, um, you know, kind of hang up the coaching whistle a little bit and he's 68 years old. So I think he wants to, I, I didn't, when he came back, I knew it wasn't like for a long-term kind of, kind of deal. So um I think he was there, you know, in part to maybe help Brian Ferentz as an offensive coordinator because Ken had done that job at the University of Iowa for uh, the the good portion of Kirk Ferentz's uh, tenure. You know, to 2011, he was the OC. So there's a That's level of 12, trust 13
0: there. years, if I'm doing yeah. math
2: right. Yeah. So he had you know, wealth of experience and knowledge and how to game plan at the big 10 level. And I'm, I'm sure that helped Brian uh, as he learned to do that uh, job. And um, so now Ken's going to kind of transition. And what I've, what I had heard was that maybe Kirk wants to go kind of this, and I'm, I'm doing air quotes here, quarterback <laughs> guru uh, um, route, and, and maybe try and find somebody who can come in and, work on the mechanics more. Um, Ken was more of a um, running the offense guy as a quarterback coach, more than a technician. And where you see all these quarterback coaches who are working on their, their steps and, and their throwing motions and things like that, that's not Ken's classic training. It's more, he's he knows how to teach a quarterback, how to read a defense, how to um, running offense, getting in and out of the huddle, getting all the, the right reads done. Ken's really good at that. But the kind of the the nuts and bolts of uh, a quarterback. That's why these guys, you know, like Nate Stanley and some of these other guys, were going to outside quarterback coaches the last few years to to work with. So, yeah, now we got uh, uh, an opening there, and we'll see what uh, what Kirk Ferentz does. And I think at this point, it's probably more
0: quarterbacks have the private coaches than don't. Yep. And I think one really intriguing name to watch on this is be the one that Nate Stanley and Spencer Petrus both saw. Tony Rasiopi, I think, would be you know quite the candidate there if they're looking to go that route for quarterback coach, or maybe you know another possibility is. Maybe Farrant, Brian Farron, switches from offensive coordinator and tight ends, maybe to offensive coordinator and quarterbacks. You hire that quarterback guru, maybe as an assistant quarterback coach, you know, a couple different routes you could go. um, But, you know, there are a lot of other names out there kind of circling the rumor mill. Um, David Rye was at Vanderbilt, another interesting guy. So it'll be interesting to see what direction they go.
2: Yeah, um, Rasiopi was one of the names that I had thought of early on when I heard the quarterback guru thing, just because he had kind of developed a pretty good relationship with the University of Iowa and with Ken O'Keefe. They were kind of working uh, hand in glove uh, in terms of with Petris. and and you know he was doing the things that Iowa needed uh, him to do, training wise with Petrus to improve him. So. Uh, and it's also worth noting that uh, Rassiopi also coaches uh, Marco Lenez, the, the uh, 2023 quarterback commit. So that makes some sense as well uh, from that perspective that, that he's, you know, worked with Petris. He's worked with a guy who's going to be eventually coming in. So, um, and, and Rassiopi is pretty well thought of. He's training Kenny Pickett, who may end up being the first quarterback picked in the NFL draft this year, he's been working. I put my money on it being Pickett. Yeah. So he's pretty well regarded, uh, in the business. Um, also he's well known. He works in New Jersey. So, um, you know, that's a recruiting there. You kind of need somebody because O'Keefe had a little bit of
0: that, but now he's gone. It's not really a super well tapped into region.
2: Yeah, and that's a that's an area that Ken was uh, would work the New England route, the, the prep schools, the, the you know the Avon Farms and all those other places, you know, where you got uh, like uh, Nico Reggini out of there and, and some other guys over the years. And Iowa had kind of a rich tradition going back to getting guys out of New Jersey when uh, you know look at the Hayden Fry era with Bernie Wyatt getting a lot of guys out of. Uh, the Jersey area. And then uh, when Daryl Wilson was on staff, he would get a lot of the guys out of New Jersey too. Uh, But they haven't uh, been able to do that as much uh, lately. So maybe having somebody who's got some ties to the East coast might be helpful uh, for them um, in in terms of recruiting that area and, and, uh, and getting players out of that area. Now it is, it is worth noting Rassiope is not coached at the college level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's there there is that um so i think he that, had like
0: a graduate assistantship that kind of thing but nothing so yeah that. he hasn't gone out and
2: recruited uh, and but part of what he does is probably recruit guys to come work uh, with him too as a quarterback coach um so i i think he's an interesting um option uh, will will kirk france go down that road i'm not sure uh, David Rye, uh, he had a it, – it certainly seemed like a rough go of it at Vanderbilt where he came in as the OC, had the play-calling duties taken away from before the season even got going and um, was coaching receivers. He really hasn't coached quarterbacks since, like, 2013. So even though he was a quarterback at Iowa, he really hasn't coached the position Um you know in almost a decade so so that doesn't really scream quarterback guru no it doesn't um and the the Brian Ferencz thing was interesting because it does make some sense at least that you're because the offensive coordinator should probably work with the quarterbacks most closely in terms of game plan and everything else so that makes some sense that you'd move them over there and then you know, Kirk could bring in a a new tight ends coach of some sort, but it takes away that idea that you're having this quarterback guru come in and kind of work on the mechanics of Spencer Petras, Alex Padilla, um, you know, everybody else, uh, uh, Carson May coming in, uh, the guys that are coming, uh, Joy Labus, guys like that. Uh, So um, you've got that, that kind of, you still have that void there and
0: i think that kind of also underscores how much of a need there is if you can get a quarterback guru where you think about it and you know petrus you look at the first half of the season and the second half of the season it was a different spencer petrus it seemed like and you know having a that quarterback guru in there could maybe be the difference between And granted the injury played a large part in that, Uh but you know, maybe things look a little different and, or maybe if you have Brian Ferentz in the quarterback's room, maybe the play calling um, gets a little smoother when you have the person calling the plays and the person having to make all the checks at the line of scrimmage in the room more together.
2: Yeah. It's going to be an interesting decision. I, I don't, you know, I think I'm pretty good at taking the temperature of, of Iowa fandom. I don't know that moving Brian to quarterback coach and, and being the, and, and OC is going to be warmly received by the Iowa fan base. <laughs> um, wow. You're
0: I, really going out on a I'm, limb with that one.
2: I'm going out on a, on a big limb with that <laughs> one, that, that maybe he might, it might not be warmly received, but um, I don't know. Um, it, it'll be, it's an inter- It would be an interesting choice. It would be a bold choice, uh, and we'll see if it happens. Um, and then he could bring in somebody he likes at tight end um, that uh, that they can they can uh, uh, bring on staff. Maybe I. It it's it's an interesting decision for Kirk. Um, I think it's something he's probably got to get done fairly soon though, because you know, spring ball is around the corner. It's not that far away. No. Um, you know, their first practice is March 23rd. So, um, you know, we're just about to the end of February. So I would think that Kirk has got to make that decision probably here in the next week or two, uh, to get somebody in. Um, not that Ken's disappearing. Ken's still got under contract. I mean, you know, he'll, well, that
0: helps that at least they have the incumbent still around but you'd like to give whoever's getting the job the ability to have as close to kind of a full off season
2: yeah to or just work to, to with, kind the of sit down with yeah to start sitting down with these guys and start learning the uh, you know learning the playbook too um, and, and learning what's what the expectations are for the job and and everything else. so it's um, gonna be interesting always is. <laughs> so, but to me, I, I just look at it this way. I think I don't think anyone would argue with the idea that quarterback is the most important position on the football field. And, and it's not really even close. So why not maximize your ability to train that person and um, and, and develop them by hiring somebody who is good at doing those sorts of things, um yeah you know, quarterback guru kind of guy so that's that was my thought um it's it's your most important position why not and it's the position that maybe you haven't done the best at Iowa has done a tremendous job of developing players at just about every position except maybe quarterback
1: yeah you look at wide
0: receiver you have plenty in the league offensive line that goes without saying tight end goes without saying we've got some pretty good running backs You'll
2: have, you know, Tyler Goodson probably get drafted this year. Um, You're going to have, you know, you got tons of defensive linemen, linebackers, defensive backs. Um, You just haven't, you know, you've got the other name that some people have brought up is Drew Tate too, by the way. Um, I think the timing is tough on him. You know,
0: he he would make a lot of sense. He'd check a lot of boxes. He's clearly got that Iowa connection, but I think you'd burn a few bridges by taking another job, what, one month, two months, depending on, I mean, the technicality of when they actually finalize the decision.
2: Yeah, Uh, because nothing's really been announced. Nothing's been announced with the UNI thing yet. So we'll see. I, you know, but, um, and, and Drew's still pretty green in coaching too. He's, but I love Drew. He's Uh, he's a competitor. He knows how to, how to run an offense and um, knows how to make plays, but he was, he, the thing with Drew was he, his best attribute in a lot of ways was his instinctive, instinctive ability to make plays. He was, he had those things you couldn't teach, you know, that's just kind of his feel for the game was off the, off the charts. That's what made him good. So it wasn't.
0: Five years later, Yeah. Drew Tate would be in a perfect position for it. Sure. Yeah. Because then you'd have a chunk of time coaching at the FCS level at UNI, maybe he moves on to another job in between Yeah, and that'd be a pretty good resume. But right now the timing just doesn't quite seem right. But the other route they could go to is either have the quarterbacks coach that they bring in. Be a co-offensive coordinator or a passing game coordinator. Thought about that. Something like that.
2: Yeah, I wrote about that when the thing came up and was that maybe that you know because when when Brian Ferentz was the uh, uh, offensive line coach, he was the run game coordinator before he became the OC. Um, so there is precedent for Iowa doing something like that, and maybe you bring in and take some of the stuff off the plate of Brian with a somebody who's. More well versed in the pass game and and maybe can expand what Iowa does uh, as a pass game coordinator. So we'll see. Um, And we've been seeing college
0: football in general kind of that more, okay, the weight isn't all on one offensive coordinator, whether it's the passing game coordinator or like Michigan, for example, as the two co offensive coordinators. And, you know, that worked out pretty well for michigan i think as people probably don't want too much of a reminder of after december
2: yeah yeah so it i i i expect the decision probably here in the next week or two just makes sense that they would get it done um in, in, to give that person some time uh to to get their feet on the ground before the start of spring ball
0: And I think the other thing too, is whoever they end up picking, it should be a pretty attractive position for a coach because you look at it. Well, first of all, it's a power five assistant coach job that those by itself are in a finite amount. They had a program that has been winning. Then you take Kurt Fearns' contract extension you know, mm-hmm. that gives an added level of stability that essentially that contract extension, when you look at all the details, it can be summed up as, as long as Kirk Furence wants to coach, he can coach Yep. because realistically, I don't think people are expecting him to coach at age 74, but the guaranteed money goes through when he would be mm-hmm. 74. So That's the, um, you have a lot of stability there. And speaking of that contract, that $7 million assistant coach salary pool, you know, that means compensation wise, you know, it's going to be pretty good money there for whoever they bring in.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, um, good compensation and it's at the big 10 level. So you're, you know, you're going to be well-paid as a quarterback coach and, like you said, the stability is just huge because guy, you know, there's some guys that don't mind bouncing uh, from place to place and kind of being a coaching vagabond. But a lot of guys just, you know, they might have a young family or something. They just want to put down some roots someplace and, and and kind of find a home uh, somewhere and and raise their family a little bit and, and get some stability in their life. So um, you can come in, you know, Spent five years in Iowa City, Iowa. That's not a bad place to live and raise a family.
0: No, and that's been kind of the model that a lot of the current Iowa assistants have done. Yeah. So, you know, there's a track record for that working out. So it will be an interesting next couple weeks to see which direction they'll go in. Yep, absolutely. So now it's changed gears here to recruiting. So, Iowa got last week its fifth commitment of the 2023 class. So, Alex Moda, wide receiver from Marion. So, right here in the Gazette coverage area. And, you know, this class so far, granted it's early, it's only February 2022 and we're talking about the 2023 class. But so far, it's shaping up pretty well. I believe Rivals has them as a top 15 recruiting class right now.
2: Yeah, they've got him uh, 13th, and uh, Moda was the most recent guy. And um, his recruitment was interesting because Iowa was kind of, He's he's classified by Rivals uh, you know, as an athlete, 6'1", 175. Um, and I think they were looking at him – as more of a defensive back, maybe a safety or a corner. Um, You know, he had some pretty decent offer list, Iowa, Iowa State, Kansas, K-State, Miami, Iowa State was in there really early, too. Nebraska, Wisconsin, all offered. So he had a good, solid offer list, a three-star prospect. And um, he just – what happened was Iowa said to him – uh, because Iowa State was really making some traction because I, he wanted to play the offensive side of the ball. And so Iowa said, hey, we'll give you a shot at wide receiver. And within 24 hours, it was done. So, um, you know, that's all he needed to hear was, we'll give you a shot at wide receiver and see how that goes. So he's going to come in as a as a wide receiver uh, initially. And, and uh, so, yeah, Iowa's now up to five team ranking wise on rivals. This is as of uh, uh, February 23rd, Iowa is 13th in the country. And, um, you know, I I suspect there's going to be more commitments here fairly soon. They've got another big uh, like junior sophomore day coming up on um, March 5th. One name to really watch that I think, will eventually commit uh maybe sooner rather than later is Leighton Jones offense flyman from Brownsburg Indiana Leighton uh is a three-star prospect uh six foot four 265 pounds he's a wrestler tough kid um Iowa just offered and Iowa's really kind of been his leader for quite a while so um and that I, I, whole
0: getting the wrestler football dual sport athlete has worked out pretty well. When you think about Tyler Linderbaum, Tristan Wirfs, yeah. Tyler Schott, so many others.
2: Yeah. The, the works, the works really well. So um, yeah, so they've, they've got him uh, lined up uh, to maybe commit, you know, we've got him on our recruiting board at 75% chance that he's going to be a Hawkeye. I, I put in a, uh future cast for him to iowa recently i've also got a future cast in for five-star offensive lineman uh caden proctor from uh, southeast polk high school the uh teammate of uh, xavier wampa who's already on campus and uh proctor is going to take a tour he's going to be in iowa city uh here in the coming weeks so um he'll be around he's got some places he wants to see uh but I, I feel still feel good about Iowa's chances at, at landing the five-star prospect. And we just re-ranked, Rivals just re-ranked him. Um, he actually dropped down a little bit, if this is possible, because he was number six. Now he's only 12th in the country. Overall, only
0: number 12 in the country. Overall.
2: That's overall <laughs> number 12 player in the country. Uh, you know, it's, it would be the highest ranked commit that Iowa has ever gotten uh, if he ends up coming to Iowa. And he holds that ranking.
0: And the thing, I mean, it's the same thing with him as it was with Wampa, where he could pretty much pick anywhere he wants in the country. Yeah, wherever he wants to go. You know, he gets to just pick whichever school, pick whichever hat. Yeah, yeah. um, I know it's probably a leftover Ohio State and Notre Dame hat from that Wampa decision. So (laughs) um, if those are his finalists, can save on the shopping there. But, you know, that'll be an interesting name. That's probably the crown jewel of this year's recruiting class. If they could get sure. him, that'd be a pretty good
2: situation. There's there's um, to me, there's, there's a couple of other names to that. I think everybody's going to kind of be watching um, in, in this class. The the other one, obviously Kyler Casper. Kevin Casper's son. Um, Kevin was a standout wide receiver, late Hayden Fry era, early Kirk Ferentz era, played in the NFL. Awesome dude. And um, Kyler is uh, a four-star wide receiver. He's basically got kind of every offer you would want uh, and just uh, athletic as as heck, six foot four. uh, And they live down in Arizona. Um, And uh, Kyler is really close with with Xavier Wampa and, and those guys. So I, uh, they're putting a squeeze on him. It's going to be tough for him to say no to Iowa, I think. Um, so he's really, really talented. Uh, Caden Fagan, a four-star kid out of Illinois, wide, uh, a running back uh, named, I think to watch, uh, you know, we've already, they've already got Lanez as the four-star quarterback. Um a tight end to watch that just kind of came open to Iowa um, and to everybody uh, because of the coaching change at Florida. Uh, Mac Markway, his dad was a, a former Iowa player and uh, Mac had committed to Florida, but when they got rid of uh, Dan Mullen, um, he opened things up and he's going to, you know, he's come to Iowa city for a visit. So um, it, it's, I believe that's in April, right? Yeah, there's, there's, there's some momentum for sure uh, with, with him and Iowa right now. So they're building something pretty solid with him. Uh, also keep an eye on a uh, four-star lineman, uh, Caden Green, out of uh, least Summit, Missouri, the St. Louis area. Um, he's pretty tight with Proctor, really good prospect. Uh, also, I should mention uh, from Rock Island, uh, Charles Jagshaw uh, he's another wrestler, um, that, uh, just won a state title and pinned his way to state title. I think he won like four or five matches and none of them. I don't think any of them made him. I made it out of the first period. So, um, he's a heavyweight at 285, just, uh, um, outstanding kid. Notre Dame's probably ahead for him. He attends Rock Island Allemans. So he's, um, uh, Catholic school kids, so Notre Dame is a big deal to him, uh, and, and I think they lead, but Iowa's trying to make a push now. They were recruiting him as a defensive lineman for a long time, and they've kind of flipped over now to recruiting him as an offensive lineman and seeing if they can get some traction. I know Brian Ferentz has been uh, to watch him, was over to watch him wrestle, so those are a couple of the the big names, but there's also good in-state crew, too, that we could talk about as well.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it seems like that talent pool in Iowa is getting better and better, considering you've got, you know, in the 2022 class, a guy like Wampa. In 2023, you got Proctor.
2: Yeah, and you look at this year with with Moda, uh, Maddox, Fort St. Johnst- Johnston, uh, um, Ben Keeter, the, the linebacker uh, slash wrestler uh, from uh, who's going to try to pull that off uh, uh, at, at the college level. And he's an outstanding wrestler. All those guys committed in state wise. And it just feels like Iowa's was going to uh, probably um, get who they want out of the state for the most part. Um, uh, other guys watch wide receiver Kai Black uh, from Urbandale. Iowa Iowa State uh, for him. I don't see anything else as an option really for him. Uh, we've talked about Proctor. Um, looking down the list here of other guys, uh, Asa Newsom, the linebacker from Waverly. His brother is at Nebraska. So um, there's a, obviously some pull there. Uh, another name to mention, uh, Jamison Patton, a defensive back from Dwayne Roosevelt, three-star kid. Again, I think Iowa, Iowa state, I think that's probably where his decision comes down to, but um, you know, Iowa doesn't lose a ton of those battles. They've lost a few. There's been Mm -hmm. a few, but uh, they tend not to lose many of those battles with the Cyclones. So it'll
0: be an interesting thing to watch. And you know, right now you're saying 13th. If you had to take a guess, where do you think they end up? Realizing that this is still early on and they're
2: probably a quarter it, of the way done. That's like throwing uh, throwing darts at a dartboard. It would just be a guess. Um, I, I think it's got a chance to be like this year's class, you know, kind of 25-ish, 2025. Um, you know, and that would be stacking some pretty good classes, for Iowa. And then um, the other thing, uh, I can't remember who does it. There's somebody on Twitter or somebody on our board that does like a little graphic of how the recruiting ranking, and then uh, it follows shortly after the the play is better. The the results are better, um, you know, off of that because of their player development. So um, I, I would expect, basically it's like good times are coming for the Hawkeyes. Yeah.
0: And you look at it in 2022, right now, you look at almost every position group should be poised for similar or better results. Obviously offensive line is the question mark of no wonder bomb and, you know, defensive back, they lost a chunk of people there. Dane Belton, Jack Kerner, you know, two really significant names. Matt Hankins also, you know, he missed a good chunk of 2021, or excuse me, yeah, 2021, years kind of blur together here. Um, But, you know, those three losses are pretty significant in the secondary, but otherwise, you know, positionally, they've got talent. So it'll be interesting to see what the next few years will show on the recruiting trail.
2: Yeah, and this is um, a good size. uh, the, The other thing is the senior group. Now, we don't know. These are still guys. They still could have some COVID years in here. So guys could potentially come back if they, Like Riley Moss, like Riley Moss has done. Yeah. Um, they could potentially do that. Uh, but uh, assuming guys leave, I mean, they, they got 20 players. Uh, last year it was like eight or nine scholarship players. It wasn't many, uh, but this year there's a more significant number in there uh, you should mention Charlie Jones it's another guy that came back oh yeah so, um you know two key players that that are back but um that so that means it's recruiting class is probably going to be more like a normal recruiting class like 25 25 guys so um just because there'll be some attrition too there always is so, yeah and they'll, record, they'll reward some guys for scholarships like they did with uh um was it palisard fagan Fagan. uh and uh yeah they uh, and those guys are going into their senior year so it's nice that they'll get that one year of being on scholarship and then they come on i'm sure their parents parents do not mind that's probably the agreement that they have hey we'll put you on scholarship but you can't take the COVID year (laughs) that's probably (laughs) (laughs) which
0: isn't really a bad setup there. So yeah don't have to pay for school for a year as opposed to okay would you have to so yeah not too bad but thanks tom for joining me
2: absolutely great to come on with you and uh and thanks for having me on absolutely and thanks to our listeners for tuning into another episode
0: until next time we will talk hawks later